Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. player of games runner boards recorder videos and tabletop role-playing aficionado welcome to the monday edition by bi-weekly behind the scenes dm only live stream crafting ice window which i build right and prepare for a next session of rhyme of the frost maiden if you are playing characters of all robin frey Lestman, or Lestman, <laughs> that's a ship or thimbleweed this video is not meant for you and uh, for the rest of you welcome there will be some spoilers we stream our dnd sessions live on youtube every friday Watch all of our D&D sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can feel me, follow God damn it. I'm going to slow down for a second. You can follow me on Twitter at RogueWatson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. How many times have I done this? If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash RogueWatson. The problem is I just started drinking some coffee and now my brain is like firing back up again <laughs> after it slowed way down. For our campaign, we use Roll20.net and for streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs, and yes, it is very, 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 very cold in uh, Texas this November, and I realize that cold me is like, oh, it's 40 degrees, I'm freezing, and that's literally not quite freezing, but it's not a contest, damn it, this is very cold for us, it's very cold. You know what, let me tell you, November is supposed to be a, ple believe it or not, it's a pleasant month for Texas, right? We've I've I do a lot of yard work in November, like like big projects I get done in November. We I think we replaced our fence uh, last year in November. It's, it's usually like 60s and 70s and just nice as hell. Like everybody's walking around in jeans and a T-shirt throughout the month of November. Like we might have a few little cold dips and that's it. This fucking weather right now has been crazy. Like it has been just uh cold ass rain and we've been dipping down into freezing and the highs like all this week are like 40s and 50s it's it is like we just skipped over fall and i'm not happy about it so yes i'm i'm a little i'm a little chilly today and i'm drinking coffee just to stay warm i saw oklahoma got like six inches of snow that's not too far from us that's crazy i can't even imagine getting snow in november but again i'm a sweet summer child i <laughs> <laughs> any amount of coal is like no i can't handle it all right so let's uh, and speaking of cold and this is how i always see i always segue into talking about uh rhyme of the frost maiden because the weather's always uh segues very nicely into uh what is going to be possibly even a showdown with the frost maiden this is still makes me so nervous about what the players are going to do and how to handle this situation thankfully uh, the players did play ball so far with regards to my villains of uh, 
Ness Lantamere and Valer Scott. First time we actually got to hear from Valer Scott. We've uh, been talking about him quite a bit, and it's always fun when a character's reputation precedes them, I think, in a story, as was the case here. And in, anytime you get to return with a villain who's got a lot of story stuff there, it's always nice. You know, the players were gearing up for a possible fight, and they had some little prep work. I loved the meeting in the stairs where they had to do like a little sidebar and... Uh, you know, discuss how to handle the situation. Then I kind of threw a little bit of a wrench in it, which is the fact that this is not their big boss fight they're going to show down with. In fact, this is could very well be their allies for a pretty good chunk of time, I, I feel like. I mean, eventually I'd like these villains to betray them or, or something to go down. But in, I think in terms of these villains do generally want to get the Codicil and... Well, from the player point of view, they want to solve the Everlasting Knight, right? That's their main thing. And for the villains, that's only like a side benefit is to stop this over <laughs> this Everlasting Knight and really to get the goddess off their tails. And they think by by getting into the city that they'll be able to do that. And plus, hey, it's just a, you know, a lost city with tons of treasure and stuff down there. And I was pretty forthcoming and honest generally with these villains toward the plans for the players. So I'm glad that they decided to play ball uh, with them, but I'm still not sure where we're going to go from here. I'm sure the players will try to snatch, you know, the Codicil from them or never let them have it, which would be the smart play. And I'm not even sure it's if the villains necessarily need to um, try and make a play for the Codicil and try to leave them behind. Maybe they, maybe they would rather work with the players for an extended period of time, in which case that could also change the cadence of the story. And maybe there's even a situation where the players never actually even talk to the Frost Maiden. If they end up working with these two villains so closely, there could be a possibility that uh, they, you know, if they never attack them and just want to work with them the whole time and agree to basically no longer explore the rest of Grim Scala because that would be something that these two would not want to do. They'd be like, look, once we have the Codicil, we need to get the fuck out of here. I'm also thinking that in order to push the envelope a little bit on on having a chance meeting with the Frost Maiden. I think I need to have the removal of the Codicil be such a powerful pull and targeting force for the Frost Maiden that it will that she'll be able to sense its removal even if there is a non-detection spell going on uh, in her own temple. She'd still be able to sense the fact that it's being removed. So I get a classic Indiana Jones maneuver where they, you know, retrieve the thing and then the boulder rolls down. Although in this case, the boulder may just be an angry goddess. And that would allow me to create some kind of cool, chaotic finale here in the dungeon level. Which means there's also a good chance that we may never actually see the rest of Grim Scala, depending on how quickly the players move. If they come back from the trials and then uh, obviously our two villains will want to get the ball rolling. And, and it, it's weird because... Me as a DM, I don't want to tell the players, hey, you need to skip this dungeon and try to, you know, keep doing this main quest. But through the NPCs that I'm controlling, they would very much say that. They'd be like, look, we don't care about looting this place. This isn't important. Keep your eye on the prize, which is getting the Codicil, getting out of here, you know, getting into the glacier, all that stuff. So they'll be wanting to speed things along. And um, hopefully my players have the wherewithal to, you know, have to have a little bit more agency because I don't want to necessarily uh take over there but because i've got these uh very assertive npcs that's kind of the angle i'll be hitting them with i mean you know there's a whole tomb up here with a frost giant um chief the, the queen i guess of the clan and i was going to put a nice little custom item in there um there's uh, these skeletal guards which are guarding it and then the actual i was the as written the treasure is actually in the room behind her i was going to put the treasure 
um, frozen in with her. And I was thinking instead of an axe, she's got a crown that like combines all the different iron stones. Uh, but a player can only activate like one at a time. Um, basically, each one that gives like a buff to a different stat. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. But in order to get that crown, you would have to melt the ice to get to it. And then as soon as you start melting ice, that sets off the trap, uh, which is actually in the book, I think. B13. Let's look at this corpse. Thrims. Visage opens its mouth and reads a cloud of magical cold energy that fills the entire room, sealing the corpse in ice once more. Any creature in the room must succeed in DC 16 con save, taking 8d10 cold damage. That's pretty good. <laughs> Even, I mean, this was originally a level 7 dungeon. That is deadly. Um, so I might actually keep the, the stats the exact same on that because that's DC 16 and 8d10 cold damage is no joke. I mean, that's, a, that's another frost breath attack, I think. And yes, it's cold damage, and yes, they have ways of mitigating that, but I mean, this is a cold-themed dungeon. That was, you know, this would be the time to use all your cold-resistant stuff. So I'm thinking about, and, I, and I, I redid the dynamic lighting here to just shut this back room, so this would be the, the one treasure you get. But, you know, the villains would be like, no, fuck that, let's not do that, let's, let's just get out of here. So, I don't know how the players... Um, the one... The only timing-wise that they would be able to... I feel like explore the rest of Grimscala, which the only one that's really worth exploring is this north room for that treasure. And there's a fun little battle here. I don't even think it's, I wouldn't encourage them to even go up to this higher levels. Um, I mean, the rock is kind of a cool fight. I don't, and I look at that. I even replaced the, uh, the icon. I used the uh, artwork from uh, Ori in the blind forest, uh, which is a fantastic game and a good sequel too. Um, which I think I actually streamed one of them. Uh, here on the channel. One. Anyway, I don't even have a use for the bird, unfortunately, the rock. Um, I, yeah, I don't know how to incorporate it too well, unless there's, maybe the villains have to flee upstairs could be interesting, but forcing players to flee in battle is something my DM brain can't even wrap itself around. Like, I think cinematically you can do it. Like, if you you know, paint pictures like hordes people. But once you're on a map with a bunch of enemies, how do you even force players to start fleeing? Like, it just doesn't seem like it's going to have happened. So I'm not sure. And, you know, there was just the ice piercers on the one level reading up to it. There's just not a lot going up there. All the, all the, all the important stuff is down here. So timing-wise, the only way I could see them doing that is if they come back from the trials, because, again, we're only halfway through the trials right now, so we'll do the other two this week. Uh, which none of them will be as long as the PvP arena. They were both. One of them was the the social one, which was with the uh, the cannibals, which I do have. Actually, it's not this map. This was the PvP one. It is uh, this map. And yes, there is a Reg Ed Camp uh, map, but I made another one because I wanted a bigger tent setting. I guess I could have used the other one. So that's kind of the one I threw together there without knowing who was going to pop in there. And the thing is, you just have to do what they say and cruel and start killing people, which I think Edmund will definitely play ball with, and then he'll complete the test. Maybe it goes tits up and he uh ends up talking back to them and gets attacked and killed by them i don't know that'd be kind of crazy um and then the endurance one is just fray getting dropped into a freezing water and making a bunch of con saves which i think she'll be able to show up pretty well there so those won't take very long um the only timing wise i could see them exploring the rest of this dungeon is if they come back from the trials the villains say okay go open the vault door now let's get the codicil and they say well let's check up here first because I think they would have the leverage to do that. The villains would be like, ah, oh, damn it, but they're the ones that completed the test, so they, you know, but can't really do anything about it. So they would allow the allow the players, but 
And, and I would like to see it too, mainly because I, I would love the players to explore at least that north part and feel like they've seen a little bit more of this dungeon. Although, to be fair, between all the shit I've had to put, I, well, I have, I've put them through on the island of Solstice ever since Crash Landing here, I kind of, they've, they have had probably their most arduous adventuring day of their career right now in Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Somebody, somebody check on that, look up the stats. Maybe, maybe Sunblight might have been a more arduous one because I don't think they long rested. In fact, I think they did Cave of the Berserkers in between there too. So maybe that would, that was comparable, but this is, I mean, they've short rested three times. I believe most, if not all of them are out of hit dice. They're all sitting, actually Frey's not doing too bad. Um, I guess it's just, actually Frey and Thimbleweed aren't doing too bad. Edmund and Valrobin are at half health. And Celeste went down in the PvP arena fight, so she's looking real bad. So they are just, very few players right now are up for any kind of a fight. That doesn't mean I won't throw one at them, but that also will color how much they want to explore here, I think. Excellent, Stan. Finished a good session with three of my players. Players never retreat. Could get them to parlay with Arl. Been marshals for, what, two weeks? Uh, I can tell. I'd have to... I don't have the right Google Doc open, but I do write down how long it's been since we started the campaign uh, in-universe. Yeah, so the the plan, Hydrus, is to, is for them to parlay with Arl if they end up talking with her. So we, So either way... I you know whatever happens here I do want to give the players their agency and their choice to make in regards to the villains the codicil and oral and then it's my job as a DM to make sure we can continue the story for there for example it's I I think it is not very fun and entertaining if the frost main just shows up and murders everybody game over man like that's just not uh, very interesting, and and there's more story to tell here, right? This isn't the end of the story. We still have two more chapters left, and I think it's really good content. I mean, Caves of Hunger is, other than Sunblight, the only major mega cool dungeon we've got, and I think Etherin's really fun in the way that Omu was uh, pretty fun for us too. So, I want to get to that content. Now, currently, the players are basically stranded on this island, right? I crashed their Nautiloid. They've got nothing left. Um, we, by the way, we've all conveniently completely forgotten about the. Um, uh, the the pilot that we had because that was a weird case where the player wasn't there and we're like oh yeah she can save him and then she was like yeah I guess I'll save him and then we just completely forgot about this person so we'll probably just retcon that he died in the crash I don't know <laughs> otherwise we've just been dragging around this poor uh, gnome ceremorph through all these things with and there's nowhere to store him or anything they don't have anything with them they don't have, they don't have a wagon it's so easy to forget about these freaking NPCs and get so awkward in universe it's like oh yeah has they been with us the whole time <laughs> They have been through quite the ringer here, and in order to get them back off this island, either Ness Lantimere, with her orb attuned, can teleport them off. Maybe she'll have to do, you know, separate dimension door jumps or something. And uh, although they took a boat to get here, so I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe she's got some way of doing it. Have to come up with that because obviously these guys had to have an an escape plan. You know what she can do is she can animate dead, so maybe she could animate the dead and have them operate a ship. That'd be pretty cool. 
turn into some kind of insane chase sequence. Hmm. I was just going to have a teleport, but like, if she can teleport out, then why didn't she just teleport in? So I'm running into my own plot hole here. Um, the other thing is, and, and technically the villains could die here. I mean, I, it would be fun if they continued the story, but I still have Avarice that could fill that role later on when we get to the Regged Glacier. So I could have these two die here. Or one, or maybe just one of them dies and the other one doesn't. I could always have if, um, especially because the orb, I could make a decently powerful item, but the orb has a Neslantamir tethered to it, like a, like a Lich Phylactery or something. Um, Souljar or uh, or Crux, whatever you want to call it. So it could be that she could survive through that just as a, and you know, a sentient magic item. So Frostmaiden could show up and kill them and then fight the players, but then maybe the Frostmaiden at some point will realize um, uh, maybe with the co maybe with the Codicil well, I was trying to think maybe with the Codicil they can teleport out but what are the odds that my villains actually get their hands on the Codicil physically because you know the players are going to grab it and keep very special you know, care of it. Obviously, everybody can go in there together. Um, but it's going to be real hard to do a snatch and grab event in here. Even if the villains betray them. Ooh. I could try and set this up, but it's going to be very tricky to pull off. I mean, we could always just have everybody roll initiative. Um... I, you know, and I could try to get off a surprise round if everybody's just acting cool, and immediately when the codicil is shown, they do something. I She's not high enough level to do time stop unless I really wanted to do the cheat DM thing and give her something like time stop. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's a weaker version of that, like a mass paralysis she could do to make it interesting. But clearly they would love to get their hands on the codicil, and then... What would probably be the best case scenario for me if I was writing the story, which I'm not, I'm, I'm writing most of it, but the players are coming in and doing their, and changing things, is that, you know, they, they, they've already done the first part, right? They work with the villains, and then they all go to the Codicil room, the villains grab the Codicil, that sets off Aurel, who immediately starts targeting this location, the villains teleport out, leaving the players to have to deal with Oral. They have to fight her and maybe or some combination of minions for like a round or two. And then Oral, you know, realizes who they are. They don't have the codicil, somebody else does. Um and then Oral can then become the quest giver, where she's like, Alright, now you work for me. If you want to live and get off this island, you will track them down. Um, retrieve my codicil for me, and maybe she would even answer the some questions from the players and things. And that would be, I think, a really cool twist that the players can then finally end up working with the Frost Maiden directly and really not have much of a choice. Yeah, Oral would loan them the rock. Ray has alert, no surprise round. Yeah, only if she rages. She's got one left. She's got one left. You know you put high-level barbarian through the ringer when they only have the one rage left and there's still a bunch of dungeon left 
She does have it, and that would be a good opportunity to use it. <laughs> Those 112 points, jeez. Oh, the feet. Um, I don't. I don't think she actually took that feat. I, I think we're talking about the um, the barbarian ability. Uh, let me actually check that. Yeah. Uh, which is what is it? This one, Feral Instinct. If you're surprised at being able to combat an art incapacitated, you can action normally in your first turn, but only if you enter your rage for doing anything else in the turn, which I love thematically. It's like you're too angry to be surprised. <laughs> Thank you, Stan. Glad you went there. <laughs> it's a rock joke. That is, I think, the coolest scenario for me, is that they work with the villains initially. The villains betray them. Of course they do. The villains escape. That's a hard thing for me to pull off. Arl shows up, fights the players. That's cool. That should be easy. And then the twist is that you don't have to actually fight Oral. Um, she just shows off her power a little bit, and then she actually gives everybody uh, an ultimatum. And it's like, you work for me now. I'll get you off this island. You will hunt them down, retrieve my codicil. And at the same time, I feel a great disturbance in the force coming from the glacier um you can be my emissaries down there you know trying to be very vague and not willing to explain too much conversation do all this and i will lift the everlasting rhyme basically so now the players work instead of treating her like some you know just monstrous boss they fight that act she's actually the quest giver and they go to parlay now complications Complication one, how do the villains get away with the codicil? Can they get away with the codicil? I mean, one thing is, the players are going to want to be like, all right, you two stay back here. We'll go in and open the door and retrieve the codicil. In which case, I'm in a weird situation where, like, the, my two villains are outnumbered. They're strong, deceptive. The, the, party, the, the party probably doesn't realize how strong they are. I gave Valish Gaunt the Evoker Wizard stat block. If they're not careful, he will wreck them. Look at this freaking stat block. It's, it's such a weird... This is the new spellcaster, right? He doesn't really have too many traditional spells. I mean, he's got Lightning Bolt, I guess. But literally, he can just cast... Or use this his auto attack, his basic attack, arcane burst at melee or range with an average of twenty five force damage. You can do it three times. That's insane. That's insane damage output. Like he will absolutely wreck them. He's got over a hundred hit points as a wizard. Like holy crap. Though so they don't really want to fuck with him. And to the credit, the villains don't want to fuck with them either. Like they they know they're outnumbered and they're pretty strong, and they just want to get the codicil and get out of here. Yes, Hydrus, I feel like that would be part of it, like a Unicron Galvatron situation where it's like you don't have much choice, but I will like maybe power you up a little bit. Not to the degree that they do in, in a lot of the 5e campaigns where they make it just fucking pointless that you played the game and now you're just super powered to where now you're fighting a Serac and, you know, an ancient dragon, all that bullshit. Uh, but maybe give them some kind of benefit. There is a really interesting thing, which I haven't decided if I want to use yet. I should show you all. That's actually behind the door where the uh, codicil is. 
Oh, here you when you this this door right here at twenty is the one that requires all the four tests to be completed. Then there's just a bunch of neat little um, tablets that kind of explain the uh, trials that the players just went on, like the tenants of the Frost Maiden, and then the Codicil is sitting there in the lectern on twenty two, which disappointingly does not really have a stat block, which I'm gonna have to fix. It looks cool. Literally the only thing about it is that if it's in your possession, you have resistance to cold damage. Attuning to the codicil may confer additional properties. And then there's nothing else about that. As you can learn frost fingers, there's like a spell that wizards can learn. So that's weird. I definitely want to make something more cool there. Uh, get it? Cool. It's a frost maiden. That should be an important freaking item for sure. Um, at, at the very least, maybe able to cast like kind of similar to an instrument of the bard, right? Where you can cast like a bunch of the ice spells because if it, if you have a fraction of her power, then you should be able to literally do her powers to some degree. But then there's something really crazy. Oh, and then yeah, the actual rhyme of the frost maiden is a poem, and I believe that's what opens the glacier, which is interesting, I guess. The final room, Arl's blessing, it's got a bunch of broken ice shards on the floor. Um, the Frostbane contacts the character telepathically and asks, will you court death to receive my blessing? She makes this offer to a character once only. A character who agrees to receive Arl's blessing must succeed on a DC 21 constitution saving throw. That is what's considered a very, very hard saving throw. <laughs> on a failed save, the character is petrified, becoming an ice statue instead of a stone one. Straight up petrified. Uh... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that requires either a certain spell or the equivalent of Greater Restoration. Yeah, Greater Restoration will... You're just a straight-up ice statue. Now, you could argue that, okay, well, in our house rules it said you can go to a town and get it healed up. We we did determine that you could go to Bryn Shander and... Uh, and and revive somebody with enough money. So it's basically just a money penalty if you really want to get into the mechanics of it. Um, or you rule that may, maybe the person can't, you know, or wouldn't give a shit and about letting them go and not that rock's not going to take them and that person's just screwed. So maybe there's a possibility that's just game over for that person. That that feels weird, but you are accepting a like, uh, yeah. You know, will you, and as he says, will you court death to receive my blessing? So that's kind of an interesting like thing. If you succeed... You gain the blessing of the Frost Maiden, uh, which it does say she can rescind at any time while she's alive. Blessing of the Frost Maiden, your eyes become as cold as ice. You gain immunity to cold damage, which is pretty fucking big. In addition, you can cast the Cone of Cold spell once per day with a spell save of DC 15. Pretty cool, the fact that it's just added onto your you know, character sheet like that, but obviously the risk is crazy. DC 21, money and time, yep. It's all just money and time, baby, money and time. So that is basically an epic boon right there. Which, I don't want to give every single player that. That's kind of bananas. Um, but, I know. Maybe, it could, maybe I could play around with it and players could even ask for different uh, gifts without maybe knowing what they fully are. I've played around with that before. Uh, maybe just give them like small options they can choose and then she'll give them some blessing. 
or make it like a, a genie where they all get like their one little wish and it could be for themselves. It could be for somebody else. And hopefully one of them wishes to get them off the island <laughs> or convince the genie in the Disney Aladdin movie and just be like, you can't get us off this island. Can you? That <laughs> wasn't actually a wish. So somehow I'd love for my villains to betray um, Oral because I don't see any way for the players to have that conversation with the Frost Maiden if they are still with the villains when she shows up because she will be playing to kill. I guess the other thing I could... The tricky... The trickiest situation is if they lift the codicil off, the villains can't get it. You know, they try and maybe they fail. I have the Frostmane still show up with their forces, and the villains. I, maybe there's an interesting thing where she's like, "Give me the, give me the codicil, and I can get us out of here. I can teleport us out of here." And then, uh, you know, obviously the players would not trust. <laughs> if I was a player, I would not trust that for a second, because if they do get over, then she'll just teleport the two of them out of there. If they don't, then it starts getting trickier because I would basically argue that, okay, well, maybe my villains could still teleport out. I, I could maybe try and still let them escape if I if I cared to still let them return at some point. And then I feel like the Frostmaiden would just follow them now. Well, I guess no, the Frostmaiden, if they've got the Codicil, if the players have the Codicil, the Frostmaiden would then target them if they've maybe if they've got it. Because the idea being this Codicil doesn't leave the room, right? People can take pilgrim. The Aurelites can take pilgrimages to it. They can, uh, you know, read it and absorb its teachings or whatever. But they're not. They're supposed to leave it in this room. So when it leaves the room, that's what triggers like a divine warning to Aurel, uh, who knows that like somebody's in here trying to steal something. Something bad's going on. In Britain, with an ice statue would be rough. I agree. It, it would just be a cool moment, though, right? Like, so much rests on a save. I don't know if I would pose that to every single person. I think I would just pose that to one person. And I would almost do it like... The timing on that is weird, because... It may, may, hmm. I would like to offer them that, but they would have to somehow open this door before actually getting to the codicil, maybe. Because then I could do it where it's not the Frost Maiden actually telling them. It's maybe like a holy chamber of the frost maiden that transforms them so maybe it's just like inscribed in the room that says will you court death to receive my blessing and there's like um an elevated like ice block or something there um with like a statue or something i kind of would like to offer the characters that option or i can have i can have you know at some point after they parlay i can have her um Offer them that option directly, I guess. They do a Valen with them, by the way. I had, I did have uh, Nas vacate the body and give them Valen. Technically, when if we're doing by ghost rules, if she leaves the body, I think they're supposed to be fine. But excuse me, for the sake of just too many NPCs in the room and having too many moments on top of each other, I had her come out just unconscious, um, and that way they can deal with. Valen's response and story and stuff at a at a different point, ideally during the denouement, uh, after the this crazy action has taken place, and hopefully they will have the wherewithal to save Valen as well. So either way, I plan on having the Frost Maiden show up. 
probably down here uh, because I assume they will grab the codicil and as soon as they start to leave, that will trigger her forces. I was originally not actually just going to have minions uh, maybe spawn as the first wave of Aural appearing, but I'm not even sure the players could survive that given our current condition. But maybe it would allow Valesh Gaunt to show off in a turn, like he gets to go boom, 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 and do his huge things. They're like, oh shit, this guy can really do some shit. <laughs> so that's why I've got down here uh, four snow golems and an ice elemental, which normally not a tough fight for my level 11 player characters, but again, I kind of feel for them. They're just really, really uh, pretty weakened right now. Or I just have her show up with some minions because your bosses always got to have minions with them. And as I talked about it last time, I'm tempted to just skip her first form, even though it's the iconic one on the cover of the book, which I don't, we don't even use that splash page as our landing screen, so I don't know if the players even care. But it's really not very impressive at all. I mean, I get the impressive part, I guess, is that she goes through three forms. Uh, so she's got you know, 300 actual hit points, or whatever it is. But this first form just isn't very interesting to run or very fearsome when. You know, you've, you've hyped up the fact that it's a freaking god coming at you, and it's really just kind of a monster who attacks with, like, slightly cold-tinged talons or can shoot you with, like, a, a chromatic orb a few times. It's just not... I guess she's got um, legendary actions, but it's not very interesting. Her second form, however, is way more interesting and has a lot more going on. She can, I love, she can create ice methods, uh, and then she can explode them, which is, I love that about methods. <laughs> and in fact, I applied that to my frozen gargoyles, which were a stronger version of methods. She's got a use of cone of cold she can bring out. This ice stasis ability is really, really cool that she can just capture people with a DC 21 charisma save, the trap in a crystal, and then the whole time they basically can't do shit except repeat that save, and then uh, on their turn, they take 66 cold damage automatic. So other people can break them out of the crystal, but it's immune to everything except fire damage. That is just a really cool dynamic to the fight. Like, holy crap, that's interesting. Her basic attacks are unfortunately really lame. She's got Ice Dart, which is effectively like a magic missile type. I guess it's a 1d4 plus 3, and then also 1d6, so it's better than that. She can hurl three of them, but they're just little pinpricks, I feel like. But those abilities are cool, and like I said, she can summon Mephits. I don't like her action economy with summoning Mephits. She can either do it as her entire action, which is a huge waste of her action, but she can also do it as a legendary action, which is better, but unfortunately it's balanced to where it takes all three actions. So the only thing she does as a legendary action in one round is to create a Mephit. The more interesting thing is that she can explode Mephits with that same action, uh, which means I should probably have her start with some methods so that she can just start exploding them. First form is just a warm-up. So I, I actually really like this snow form. I was comparing it because I, I thought I wouldn't end up using that and I would instead use the Tomb of Beasts Fae Queen, but honestly, I, I, I think I like this second form of Aural. The Fae Queen does have a good reaction, like a really powerful Hellish Rebuke. Um, I do like the fact that as an action, she can just whip up this snowstorm around her and then people can gain exhaustion. That's pretty compelling and scary. 
So maybe I'll use some things here. Snow blind, cause them to be blinded by swirling snow. That's pretty interesting. So I still need to, and the idea is, again, this, this would be a really cool, tough boss fight, but the players are not meant to fight this um, by the end. Instead, what I'd like to do here is use this as a, uh, you know, like in a, in a JRPG where they throw a, a big bad villain at you early game and it's pretty obvious from the beginning that like, oh, I'm supposed to lose this fight. Like this dude is doing so much damage to me and I'm not doing shit. You're just, even though you put me in traditional combat, like, you know, I can't win this fight. And then sure enough, I got my ass kicked. And that's supposed to be just a preview of like, oh, one day you'll be strong enough to actually take him down in a legit fight. I'm kind of trying to do that here, but I mean, as written, they would be able to fight her legitimately right now with this stat block. Um, even weakened as they are. I mean, 136 hit points. She does have legendary resistance, which helps keep all that shit off. But um, now they don't know how, how many of her hit points are, and I may scale up some of her abilities so that later on when I hit uh, them with her in Etherin, I can use maybe the same stat block and it be you know still pretty effective. Plus, she would then obviously transform into her... Uh, third form, which I haven't looked at too much, but it's this weird like ice crystal thing that just shoots people with its ray, laser ray. Laser ray! Mario agrees to work for Aura. Will their action be considered a soft serve? Oh, you guys are really coming at it with the puns. <laughs> I appreciate it. Hate that as a goddess, her cone of cold recharges after a short or long rest. Like, how the fuck... Is the goddess of winter get one cone of cold off per short rest? That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it said she's like a minor goddess of winter, but and she uses a lot of her power to power the rhyme, but like, come on, man. So lame. Yeah, this ice, I might, I, I think I'm going to change this ice flurry to the one from the Snow Queen. Actually. Was. Uh, Old snap. This temperature on to drop dramatically. This is from Tomb of Beast, by the way. Every creature within 30 feet must make a successful DC 17. And by the way, this stat block is a CR 16. It doesn't actually seem that much stronger than Aurel's. I mean, same hit points. Slightly better armor class. Same distances, immunities. Uh, does Aurel actually even have... That's weird. The second form doesn't even have regular spellcasting. That's crazy. I don't care about giving 2d4 piercing damage. That's really dumb. Each creature... Creature within 30 feet. Who is not immune to full damage. Succeed on a DC, although I, what are her DCs like in here? Oh, yeah, she, her DCs are 21, which is crazy. That doesn't match her CR level at all, or her attack. It's like they gave her ancient epic level saves, but none of the rest of her stats reflect that. Only a plus seven to hit. 
21 is crazy. Also, if I put this as legendary action, I, I need to lower that. Yeah, at the very least, it needs to be recharged 5 to 6. That ice stays is a recharge 5 to 6, which is pretty nice. That would... Has there ever been a stat block that has two different recharges? Because that's probably why it doesn't, because it would be tricky for the DM to remember, like, okay, I'm rolling this one for this one, and this one for another one. You know what I'm tempted to do? Is... Just fucking re-break this stat block completely. Put Ice Stasis as... a legendary action. Maybe that's the three-cost action. Just say, fuck it to these multiple costs. Just let me decide <laughs> how often I want to use legendary actions and how bad they are. And then you can do Cone of Coal as a recharge. I mean, that DC is what's going to fucking kill him. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, one Ice Stasis if she gets that off, one Cone of Cold if she gets that off would be devastating to the players. It's just funny that her little ice morning star and ice darts are so ineffective compared to that. Maybe we should lower the... Even though it uses DC 21 for everything. Give her legendary actions after each turn. Alright, you have to be more specific on that, Jason. Does that mean after every single player's turn she got to do a thing? That's a lot more legendary actions than most creatures get. <laughs> Boy, I, you know what? If I keep it like this... That really does show off how fucking scary she is. If I, if I keep this as a legendary reaction, Ice Flurry, each creature within 30 feet who is not immune to cold damage must succeed in a DC 21 con saving throw or gain a level of exhaustion. And exhaustion would really freak the players out. That's impressive. I do find that's very... The few times I've used legendary actions, I do find it very tricky to keep up with, like, okay, how many have I used and when... And usually I err on the side of caution because the last couple of times I've used legendary actions, uh, the players have been just completely getting their butts kicked and I've had to pull back on them. So I like start out going real strong and using, you know, layer actions or legendary actions, whatever I've got as much as possible. And after like two rounds, I'll just forget to do them, uh, which granted a lot of times I do forget about shit to be fair. But like when it comes to that, I will, I definitely read the room and I'm like, oh man, I got to pull back on this. Yeah. And I need to have her minions. You know, Jeff, now that you mention it, I could do her fucking ice meva thing via, via layer action. That way it just keeps spawning. I don't know how long I want this fight to go. <laughs> I mean, eventually, the players will fight her. I, I, again, I want to create that scenario where this is a fight you're not supposed to win. And maybe she just ends up, you know, shooting them all with a giant cone of cold, and they're all just getting their asses kicked. There's minions left and right. And then she realizes, like, you know, and she ends the fight. She's like, enough. And then she starts to parlay with them, and because they're just on their back feet, they just have no choice but to kind of accept uh, working for them. 10 equals a percentage bonus of plus 4, so 8 plus 4 equals 12. Dad is plus nine. Uh, it's her charisma. You read it right, Sylvan Fox. Her, she has a 28 charisma. <laughs> yep. 
That's where it is. So that's why. So her her spell ability casting is super powerful, but physically her best stat is still only a plus three. So when she actually swings her stupid ice morning star or ice dart, uh, she doesn't do anything. So she would leave minions to doing melee damage. She'd want to stay in the back and do his abilities. It's interesting that she just doesn't literally cast spells though. Got Cone of Cold and Ice Stasis. So maybe I just have her last like two rounds. I got to two rounds. And still kind of show off some of her stuff. I feel like she I could turn like Frost Fingers into like her basic attack. Although that's also a save, isn't it? I guess I need an attack roll. Yeah, physical attacks not so much. I just I need to give her a basic attack. That's not an attack, if that makes sense. Like a antrip type ability. Doesn't the not the first the first one just had unlimited chromatic orbs, didn't it? Like that was that worked. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like plus thirteen. It's weird when she changes forms. She loses her good basic attacks, but gains some really cool abilities. Like, they had to rebalance her step of the way. Also, the first one can teleport around, which is pretty nice and handy. But at the very least, we should give her these same abilities. Touch of Frost. We'll probably call it something different than Chromatic Orb. Frost Orb or something, where she just hurls like a frosty grenade. <laughs> I see no universe in which I would use Ice Morning Star or Ice Dart. Because these use Charisma. They gotta use Charisma because it's a plus 9. So I assume it's the way you get plus 9. Look at Balravin, yeah. Why don't we... Just in case, I'm gonna move to the bottom. Eat him. Some better basic attacks, at least. Touch of frost. Still not very strong. Correct, but plus 13 is a lot better. 3d8 cold damage. Right, yeah. You auto populated if I didn't see anything. All right, five feet. That's true. Actually, Rangers do an aura of. Are you talking about the exhaustion? Just always have like the snowy thing going on. Key here being that she's got an attack. Basic attack. Sixteen. Target. Also does 3d8 cold damage. I may have to scale that up too. That's not very impressive. Chromatic orb. Uh, You can scale that up, can't you? Yeah, at higher levels you cast this spell, you can spell slot second. Level or higher, the damage increases by 1d8. Let's make... Frost Orb do at least an average 20 damage, right? 5d8? What does that look like? 
22 average damage. That's a lot better. That's a lot better. Neutral evil, yeah. Give her a little bit more personality. Tricky. Kind of want to make her nice and unscrutable, but that's also... That can be frustrating for players to deal with. What minions should she come with, too? Because even if she's super strong, she needs to have minions with her. Ooh, giving her Misty Step. Solve a lot of problems. Yeah, her first form is At Will Misty Step. So let's definitely give her At Will Misty Step. The second form as well. That way she can bypass any bullshit like Shardlin Balls. Although I was thinking it would be interesting to have Shardlin be kind of a kryptonite to her, but I don't know if that would give the players too big an advantage. And it might fuck up their ability to parlay with her. So I may I may backpedal from that. This like spellcasting NPC. I mean, the plan is not to kill them, but you know, players pusher. You would certainly at least down them, and then it's up to the players to revive each other. She is not a nice person to work for, I will say that. I'll also have to probably, like, give her a lot more hit points, but I don't... For the purposes of this fight, I don't think I have to do too much, but for the when they meet her again, um, I'll have to get serious about it, because that'll be a, a fight to the death. But And she does have that other form to go to. In fact, I need this, because that's kind of hilarious that it tells you she's got multiple forms right in her friggin' stat block. Players do not need to know that information. We call her Aural the Frost. We already called Aural. Oh, she's not. Clearly 136 hit points, also not enough for a god. <laughs> Instead of a legendary action that she turns on, that could just be an aura that goes always on. That would be... I wonder if it'd be like if you end your turn 30 feet. Know that Winter Wolves is something she rides around with. Ice methods or something she rides around with. Yeah. That's that's also part of the plan if it actually comes to that, Sylvan. Again, this is all course correction. Essentially, Oral surprisingly not being the big bad. Neither her nor Neslantamir slash Gaunt are the actually the big bads of this campaign. I'm trying to think. I, well, I guess... It's it's just kind of a there's multiple factions vying for this lost city, um, which all are going to turn into hopefully villainous factions I can run with. We still have Avarice, and hopefully maybe she is leveled up quite a bit, and she's got you know powerful Shardlin warriors, and maybe I can you know flavor them as like full on like suits of Shardlin armor and all kinds of badassness at this point. Freaking run around like blackguards or something. That'd be pretty cool. And then I can do something crazy. Um, I, I would love to introduce a, a a new villain, a new player to the table in Aetherin. Um I'm, I don't think I'm going to go the Demi-Lich route. I, th I was thinking going more maybe Elder Brain or something. That was uh, also previous like wizards that were down there that were transformed. But yeah, that is true. Although a lot of TPK... It, it depends on the scenario, right? Like if the players are fighting to some vicious monster, 
yeah, you could maybe still have them survive, but like an undead, like I'm fighting a bunch of undead and they die, like there's no reason why the undead wouldn't just eat them. <laughs> but if you're fighting, you know, people or sentient creatures that would have something to gain from, you know, your capture, then yeah, certainly that would be interesting. And I think that could make for a very cool story twist and moment in the story is to have the players fall. Uh, I don't plan on having to get that far, but we'll see. I would like to at least go a round or two. Um, in terms of minions, I, my initial plan was to go with waves. Like maybe maybe the first wave is like snow golems and the ice elementals show up. Uh, and then, and, and maybe Gaunt and Lantimir can help fight for a time, but like uh, maybe somehow in the fight I can have them snatch the... It would be really interesting and fun, I think, if they snatch the code. It would, it would give more motivation for the players and for Aural, to me, is if my villains ended up snatching the Codicil and getting away with it, then that adds more incentive uh, to throw down versus uh, if the villains if the villains just die here, um, because maybe, maybe what could happen is the players are like, you know what? Yes, we've been fighting the Frostmaiden's forces this whole time, and she's been harrying us, but it's Lantimere's fault that all this is happening. She's been trying to search for a wizard. These are the wizards that have caused this problem of finding the city that freaked the Aural out and has been shutting everything down. Instead, maybe the players turn on the villains before they even have a, before I have a chance to do it to them. And when the Frostmaiden shows up, they're like, they, they serve up my villains on a silver platter and say, hey, look, we've, you know... We'll help you take these ones down. That could be a really interesting twist. And I kind of want to let that happen. It's it's really hard to prepare for all of these situations. Um, because I don't know how that, you know, depending on how they do, maybe it becomes a battle between these villains kicking ass with the Frostbane's, you know, forces then working with the players. In which case, maybe I can let that be a big fight against these two villains. Maybe one or both of them can survive and escape. But then that would also help advance the uh, working with the Frostmaiden storyline so we could have that happen as well. So at the end of the day, I think no matter what happens, the, the only weird thing that could change things around is if the players agree to escape. If the, if the players never give the Codicil to the villain and the villains never get their hands on it, but they do want to escape with the villains and say, hey, let's get out of here, but we're going to take the codicil. Um, and maybe I can be insistent and make it be like she has to be in possession of it or something in order to teleport out. There's just a few weird things I need to try to work my way around, and I'll probably go crazy trying to come up with all the different parameters and scenarios that could happen, and then something will happen that I, you know, I, I won't have been prepared for anyway, right? Like you could, a, a person could just go crazy <laughs> trying to come up with that. Um, so all I can do is try to have all that information ready. Um, be prepared for the Frost Maiden to show up here um, regardless of what happens. And either it's a fight or it becomes this tense chase sequence. And either way, I, I think this is pretty much going to end our Grim Skull adventure because once that happens, they're not, you know, she's not going to let them loot the dungeon or, or do anything else and the players are you know it's it's gonna be on from there so i the, the one way we'll end up using the rock probably is if the players do end up um working for the frost maiden and then she can offer 
um, that owl, which by the way, I was reflavoring that rock as, as the owl that they had summoned to fight the Shardle and Dragon um, that the Frost Maiden took for themselves. And then she would offer that as their new um, mount, I guess, flying mount, because it's a giant-ass bird. And then that's how they can get to uh, the glacier and either chase the villains down, or maybe she'll be like, if the players end up with the codicil and the villains are dead, or if even if they escape, she'll be like, all right, in order to course correct the campaign, I feel something has been reawakened down in the glacier, down in the city. She's not going to tell them very much about her history with it. And then she will still give them the quest. Like, you've got the codicil. You've proven yourself strong, even though some of them may be lying dead on the floor. Um, you will be my emissaries down into the glacier. Um, and I don't know how... Whatever specific information I want to give them or a tease or something... And basically, and she'll be saying, hey, if you do this for me, you go down there into that lost city and, you know, turn off whatever disturbance is happening or, or something, then I will lift the rhyme, the, the the nightfall or something. So that will be, you know, so even if everything goes completely haywire, uh, she will still give them the ultimatum and, and, and she will hopefully have proven the fact that the players cannot fight her legitimately, especially in her own temple where she can, I would probably just keep throwing minions at them. In fact, maybe if, if it starts even getting to where the players start kicking my ass, I will just start spawning snow golems around them like fucking crazy and basically just force this fight to end. <laughs> so we will see if we can pull that off. Thank you so much, Jeff. Yes, uh, Chris, also amazing, amazing DM. I've, you know, I've had to do a lot more work for this story than I ever have had to do in a previous published campaign. It's been I think good for me uh, as a DM. It's certainly been a lot more challenging uh, and I've appreciated trying to rise to that challenge of fixing the story and making it more interesting and really diving into it. And I knew, I knew going into this campaign it would require a lot of modification on my end and a lot of focusing on the elements that I liked and eliminating the elements that I didn't like. There was a whole like weird demon plot line with the burger and stuff that I just ignored, so... Yeah, compared to something like Tomb, where I almost ran it pretty close to as written with just a few little changes here and there. The bad thing is, doing what I've had to do means I've been a, uh, I haven't been able to do as much of the individual character arc stuff that I did in Tomb, because I could focus in Tomb. I could entirely focus on adding those little character um, quest arcs because the story was pretty much just done. And here, I've had to just insert the characters wherever I can um, that's relevant to the own changes that I've had to make. And thankfully, the players have responded pretty well to that in all those uh, different areas, which has been nice and felt pretty well. So, I appreciate it. All right, folks. I think that is going to do it for this Monday edition of Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoy the content, please do check out patreon.com slash Rogue Watson, shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, William, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Christopher, Brian, William, David, Corey, Koa1337, Kyle, Matthew, Big Nut, Greenlee, and John, and Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spots, Jerome, Nathan, Fastlega, Tortoise, Scott, Stephanie, Refus, and Carol. Thank you all very much for your support. I will see you all for more crafting on Thursday. By the way, we do have uh, our normal uh, uh, stream this Friday. However... We'll be off 
next week. So you, because it's Thanksgiving holiday in the U.S., so you will have to wait an entire week longer for 69, baby. Not gonna be next week. All right. 